Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. So our movie for this week is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I was looking for a clip, but really it's the whole movie. Uh, you know, in the, the movie, the story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch has this idea, and it basically goes like this. I will steal all the stuff of Christmas. Uh, so like all the lights, all the trees, all the reefs, all the presents, I'll steal all the stuff that is in Christmas. And in doing so, he reckons he will make everyone else as miserable as he is, uh, that he can steal all the stuff, and through stealing the stuff, he can take away Christmas. And sure enough, everyone wakes up on Christmas morning, and all the stuff is missing. The tree's gone, the lights are gone, the presents are gone, and everyone's kind of bummed, but it actually brings everyone into the conclusion that all the stuff really doesn't matter anyway as long as they have each other. That as long as they are together for Christmas, that they can still have an amazing Christmas. And there's so much truth, I think, to all of those things when it comes to Christmas that isn't it funny how we have taken the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and made it as commercial as Christmas has become. Uh, that really uh, all we need to have a great Christmas is honestly each other. I, I know speaking from uh, my experience as a child, uh, I remember memories on Christmas far more than I remember presents. In fact, the most memorable Christmas for me was when my father took my gingerbread house. Uh, and any of you make, any of you have children who made gingerbread houses yet or will make gingerbread houses? None of you. You need to go to the store. Buy your children some, some gingerbread material making stuff and make a gingerbread house. Anyway, he took that house uh, and uh, we went out to the, the driveway. And I don't recommend this. This is dangerous. Don't do this at home. And he, he got it and he took a can of spray paint and a lighter and began to light it on fire. Uh, and we had just gotten a video uh, recorder. My only regret is I lost the tape. Uh, but we got a video camera uh, recorder for Christmas and I'm videoing this whole thing and I'm watching my father just have the time of his life with a lighter and hairspray. And uh, the video was something like this, is this is what happens to people when they don't tithe, is Satan comes in. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, Satan comes in and just destroys things. Uh, and he's smiling and laughing. But I remember that more than I remember any one particular gift. And it wasn't even necessarily the gingerbread house or the can of spray paint or lighter. It was laughter. It was the warmth. It was, I like that word warmth. I don't know why, but like, isn't it something when you can feel warmth in somebody? Like, isn't it something when you go to a family table and you can just feel warmth there? Have any of you ever felt the opposite of warmth? Like, just cold. Like, not just like cold physically, but like the family is cold or the church is cold or whatever it may be. There's something just to warmth. And I would encourage everyone here to contend for warmth. 
this holiday season. And I am not just talking about a fireplace and hot cocoa, although both of those things are necessary parts of Christmas. What I am talking about is us really being present with our families, with our children, forgiving people. Come on, somebody. Forgiving people. Uh, majoring on people and not on issues, and uh, just having a good Christmas. But the more I got to thinking about this, the more something else kind of rose up in my heart, Uh, and it's kind of the moment at the end of the movie when they are all together as one, together as one. If you brought your Bibles today, open them up with me to the book of Psalms, And we're going to look at Psalms chapter 133 and verse number 1. If you didn't bring your Bibles, no worries whatsoever. They'll have the the scriptures up on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible at all, I'd encourage you to get one. And we're going to give give it to you. Merry Christmas. Uh, And if you're a guest here today, we've got a t-shirt for you. Merry Christmas. Uh, and, uh, but you can come down to the altar at the end of the service and tell them, hey, I need a Bible, and we'll give you some. Or, hey, my child needs a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. Uh, but we're opening them up to the book of Psalms. Psalms uh, 133 in verse number one. Here the psalmist writes, he says, Behold, take a look at this, he says, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Notice verse number one, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Last verse, for there the Lord has commanded a blessing. For there, that place of unity, the Lord has commanded a blessing. For there, the place of unity, the Lord has commanded a blessing. There is a blessing only there. There the Lord has commanded a blessing. Where's there? Wherever there's unity. Wherever there's a family united, the Lord's commanded a blessing there. Wherever there's a state that's united, the Lord has commanded a blessing there. Where there's a business that's united, the Lord has commanded a blessing there. I'll take it as far as to say this is not unlimited to sports. Where there's a sports team that's united, for there, there is a blessing. In any arena of life, the world has proven it out. We're going to look, even if if time permits, where where people got together, united, and were experiencing a blessing that was even outside of the Lord's will. But in that place of unity, there was power. Where there's unity, there is power. This is why Satan's chief tactic has always been to divide and conquer. And this is also why there is so much division in the world today. Because Satan knows wherever there is unity, there absolutely is power. Wherever there is unity, there the Lord has commanded a blessing. You can get a blessing from unity, you can't get any other way. For there the Lord has commanded a blessing, unity. Well, what's the opposite of unity? Division. 
Now, division in all of our words kind of have multiple ends of extreme. For instance, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we know joy is not a luxury. Joy is a spiritual necessity. How many of you know joy is a necessity? Somebody says, well, now is not the time to be joyful. Well, sure it is. Sure it is. The Bible says, count it all joy. Well, it's real tough right now. Exactly. When do you need strength the most? When it's tough, count it all joy. Well, somebody says, well, joy, you know, what's that mean? You like walk around with a silly smile on your face or laughing all the time? No, and neither one of those things can hurt you. I can promise you that. Uh, But joy has extremes. On the high end of joy, you have hilarity. On the low end of joy, you have calm delight. I like that, calm delight. Just in a moment where there's a calmness to you, and a delight about you, that's joy. In that place, the Bible says, there's strength. Uh, Hate has multiple different extremes. I hate you could mean like, I wanna kill you. (laughs) But the low end of hate uh, is to hold one at a distance. To hold one at a distance. So there's some people you're pulling in close, (laughs) and then there are other people you are holding at a distance. That's the low end of hate. For division, the high end of division is argue, fussing, and fighting, and all those things. That's division. Wherever there's division, wherever there's strife, there's every evil work. What that simply means, James says that, wherever there's strife, division, there's every evil work, it means you're on Satan's territory. When you're in unity, you're in God's territory. But when there's division, when there's strife, you're on the enemy's territory. When you're in unity, God can get anything he wants to you. For there, he's commanded a blessing. When you're in strife, Satan can get anything he wants to you. That's his territory. Well, in the high end of division, you got arguing, fussing, and fighting, and anger, and throwing things, or whatever it may be. That's on the high end of division. On the low end of division, though, you just got two visions. Die. Vision, die means two, vision means what you see. Two people who are seeing two different things. Instead of seeing the same thing and headed in the same direction, there are two visions. There are two people who see two different things and are headed in two different directions. Unity is the opposite of that. Unity is not just people who are not fussing and fighting. Unity means you got two or more people who both see the same thing and are headed in the same direction. And the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, there is where God has commanded a blessing. Right there. Where's there? That place of unity. When you got two or more people who both see the same thing and are headed in the same direction, when they are together, there the Lord has commanded a blessing. Uh, When I was going to Dubai uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we went to on a mission trip to Dubai in India. Never been to Dubai before. Never seen anything like that place. Uh, Just amazing in every sense of the word. Just sits back, makes you wonder. And anyway, we're, we're there and we're ministering to some missionaries who are there because before we ever start supporting a work with your tithes and offerings, we want to go see it. Amen. 
We want to experience it. We want to look at it. We want to handle it. We want to touch it and feel it uh, and make sure it's everything that they say it is. Uh, trust and verify. Amen. Uh, and so I'm over there and I'm looking at it because we don't support anything in that region. I'd heard about this work and I want to see it firsthand. So we're there, and before I get there, I'm communicating with uh, our missionary friend through WhatsApp. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you travel internationally, WhatsApp is a popular tool to kind of, you know, communicate with people. And I'm talking to him. I'm like, when I'm there preaching at your church, is there anything in particular you'd like me to preach on? Because, you know, I'm going there to serve people. And as soon as he texts back, I regretted asking. I'm like, I should have just preached on anything I wanted to. Because have you ever done that, just regretted something after you asked? It's like, what do you want me to bring for Thanksgiving? And they're like, the turkey. It's like, oh. I was thinking more of a pumpkin pie I could pick up. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's like, oh, why did I even ask? I should have just brought ruffles. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I asked, and as soon as I asked, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Because he, he, he texts back through WhatsApp, unity, unity. And I'm on the plane, because this is right before I get there, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm searching through Evernote, because at the end, I handwrite every message. And the reason why I handwrite it is because when you write, it taps into a part of your brain that type and doesn't, and that part of your brain that it types into helps with memory. So I want to get up here and not be checking my notes the whole time I'm looking at you, because uh, how many of you know that's no fun for you? Amen. Uh, you don't want me constantly looking down. You want me looking at you. Uh, and so uh, I, I want to memorize my message uh, and uh, to make sure that that's in me, that it's not just something I've written, but something I, I'm trying to digest even for myself. So I handwrite it. By the end of handwriting it, I have someone type it out for me word for word. And the reason why I have someone type it out for me word for word is for moments like this. Uh, it's in a program called Evernote, and whenever I'm preaching on a message, like somebody asked me to teach on marriage, I can type marriage in the search box, and every single uh, message I've ever used the word marriage pops up, and I can begin studying, uh, and those kinds of things. So anyway, uh, so I'm going through, I'm like, unity, search box, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, I'm like, <sighs> Nothing's pulling up. Uh, and like, I'm stressing out about this because it's like, I've got to preach a message soon on unity and I don't have one I can just like pull out uh, and go over and, you know, freshen up a little bit, dust off and give it to them. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh gosh. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can feel the stress. I can feel the stress. And the Lord just speaks to my eyes. He's like, when did being good turn into the only thing you could think about? It's like, I want to be good when I, when is that the only thing you can think about? He said, how about you just be faithful? Come on, somebody. How many of you know faithfulness will be good every single time? Just be obedient. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? And he said, think about in Scripture, times when something shook. Times when something shook. I began to think about in Scripture, I'm like, Okay, here's some times when things shook. So in my own notes, I made these notes. I'll put it up on the screens. Jericho, the walls of Jericho came a-tumbling down. I'd call that shaking. The ground shook and swallowed it up, Joshua chapter 6. I thought about the building in Acts 4. We'll actually look at that in a minute, that the, the whole congregation got together and prayed, and while they were praying, the physical building shook. 
Thought about another time when something shook in the prison. You remember this? In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they're in there, and life's just been a mess. Life ever gotten into a mess for you? And they're there. They've been trying their best, but life's in a mess. But they're in the mess together. And while they're in this prison, they prayed and sang praises. And when they lifted up their voices together, you ever notice the Psalms? Come, let us adore him. Let us exalt his name together. This is why church attendance matters. There's something you can get here you can't get online. I'm sorry, and I love the online church. I love the online. I love how you can be anywhere in the world and watch this message. But there is something about getting together. Together. When me turns into we, you've got some power. Let us exalt his name together. When they got together, when they together prayed and sang praises unto God, their chains began to shake until they fell off. The building began to shake until the door opened and they walked in freedom. Then Isaiah chapter 6, all the heavens, all the hosts of heaven circling around the throne of Jesus, lifting up their voices together. It shook the doorpost of heaven. Isaiah said, anytime you see a shaking like this where something shook, where it was just something just shook, you see two or more people took the time to get together. There's only so far you'll be able to go alone. I don't care how talented you are, Moses. There's only so far you'll be able to go alone. You need an errand. Moses, the thing that you do for you, it's not good. The same spirit that's on you, you need on at least 70 elders. Moses, holding up that rod all by yourself, you'll get weak. You need some people to lift up your arms to carry out the victory. Why? Why? Because there the Lord commands a blessing. Where is there? Unity. There's a blessing you get in unity you can't get any other way. I wrote down all these things. Times when something shook. It's like, what do they all have in common? Like, there were multiple people all together in one accord. It's like, what do you call that? Unity? Exactly. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's an excellent teacher? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's like, you need something to shake? You ever needed something to shake? You ever needed something to change? You just, you just ever had something that just wouldn't get off of you? You ever had a situation in life where it's like, it's not changing. Nothing is shaking. Nothing is moving. It just seems like we are stuck in this rut, and it's not getting better. You ever had a business get stuck? You, you ever had something where it's like, it's not moving. We're not seeing progress. You need something shook. You need something shaken. I'll tell you what you need. You need another. I said, you need, you need another. You need somebody in your life 
who joins their faith with yours. You need somebody in your life to get back on track with you. You need somebody in your life to hook back up with you. If you want to see progress, you've got to see it. You'll only see it God's way together. Together. Moses, I don't care how talented you are and how cold you are, you need another. Do you know even God's the blessed three in one? He's not a lone ranger. Do you know when God saw man all by himself, he said it's not good? It's not good that he's all by himself. It's the only thing God ever did that he said wasn't good. I said that was the only thing God ever did that he said, that's ah, not good. What was it? Man all alone. He needs someone to hook up with. This is powerful. It's more powerful than we give it credit for. You need another. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need another. You do. You need another. What is unity? I'll show it to you. Go over the book of Acts with me. Here in Psalms, go to Acts chapter 4. In the book of Acts, the early church saw the power of God. How many of you are believing to see the power of God again? I'm talking about like here, a man who had never walked before is walking and leaping and praising God. How many of you are ready to see that kind of power? Amen. I want that. Especially in, a, in a, a news world where people can capture everything on a cell phone. Think about how powerful a miracle like that would be. And here the early church is walking in that kind of power. You know why? What did Jesus pray before he walked off the earth? Prayed five times in one chapter. Lord, let them be one. Even as we are one. Now the church is anything but one. You got all these different denominations. You got all these people criticizing other churches. You got people criticizing Joel Osteen because he smiles too much. And I'm not talking about the world. The world loves Joel. I'm talking about Christians. You know why? Because wherever there's strife, envy, and division, Satan can bring in any evil work. But you get the body of Christ together in one, you get them putting aside their differences and focusing on what unites us instead of what divides us, for there God commands his blessing. You're never more like the devil when you're criticizing other people. You're never more like the devil when you're pointing out the fault in someone else. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does the whole time he stands before God. He just brings up all your faults, all of your failures, all of your weaknesses. I'm never more like the devil than when I'm criticizing somebody. But you know what? You're never more like the Lord Jesus when you're blotting out a transgression, when you're covering up a mistake, when you're coming in with mercy mercy and grace and love. You're never more like Jesus. Amen. In the early church, they were one. They were united. They were together. There wasn't enough time for Satan to get all this division in the church. And out of that, power's happening. And they have this man who's never walked before, who's set by this gate called Beautiful. And while he's there, uh, he asks Peter and John as they're going in to the, the temple in the hour of prayer, he's like, how about some money? He's out there begging. And John looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He picks up that man in the name of Jesus. And that man goes walking and leaping and praising God. And all of a sudden, you got people all around Peter and John saying, what 
in the world have you done? They're like, the gods have come among us and now dwell as men. And Peter looks at them and he says, why look on us is that by our own holiness, we were able to make this man walk. It was faith in the name of Jesus. Well, when they hear this, all the, the religious people, it's amazing what religion will do. All the religious people gather Peter and John and they're like, look, we're gonna beat you. You're going to beat us for a miracle? Yes. We're going to beat you, and we're going to command you to no longer teach in the name of Jesus. You can do whatever you want, just don't bring up Jesus. You can preach whatever you want, just don't preach about Jesus. And so they beat him, and they tell him, don't go preaching about Jesus. And after this moment, Peter and John do something. Watch what they do in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 22. And being let go... They went to their own company. They went to their own company. You, you see, they went to their own company. Now, this is not talking about like a physical company, although you could say that as well. They went to their own people. They went to their own tribe. You got a tribe. You got a people. You got a company. You know what most people do when they get in a mess? They go to themselves. I'll be in this room all by myself, and I don't want to see you or anybody else. So let me be with me. Isn't that funny? For there the Lord commands a blessing. Where is there? Unity. Wherever there's two or more in agreement, there's a blessing. Here, they are going through something that Satan has designed to absolutely wipe off the face of the earth, the early church. You know what they do? They go to their own company. Who's your company? Who's your people? Who's your tribe? They know we need one another. And watch what happens here when they go to their own company. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. I've got that highlighted, underlined, and in parentheses. They lifted up their voice to God, their voice, not a voice, their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is within them. They keep praying. Go down all the way to the end of verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. You need something shaken? The place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that they ought to possess the things which were their own, but all had things common. They began to give to one another. Now, I see in, in this passage of Scripture what unity looks like. I see three primary things. Unity is not just, oh, being in the same place together. I see one mind, one heart, and one voice. One mind, one heart, and one voice. One mind, one heart, and one voice. One mind. Everyone there knew what they wanted. They knew what they wanted. One mind. Everyone there. This is what we want to see God do. They took what they wanted to see God do and they shared it with one another until everyone was on the same page. One mind. We know 
what we want. One heart, one heart, no offense, no offense, no strife. You remember over in Genesis chapter 13, Abraham and Lot are seeing more increase than they've ever seen before. I mean, God is on the move. Good mercy. I mean, God's moving so strongly in these boys' business that their biggest problem is the land cannot contain all the increase. How many of you will take that problem? It's like, we got to open up another account. It's not insured anymore at this bank. That's a healthy problem. And God is increasing these boys, blessing them. And you know what came up to stop the increase? The Bible says a strife arose. A strife arose that turned Abraham's herdsmen against Lot's herdsmen. And now instead of we, it's me. And now instead of we, it's us and them. And you know what Abraham does? I love it. You know what Abraham does? He pulls Lot aside and he says, listen to me. Let there be no strife. Let there be no strife between me and thee. No strife. No strife is a powerful place to be. I said that's a, power, that's a position of power. You allow strife into anything, it is only a matter of time before Satan has stolen a year. He will flat steal a decade if you let strife in. You let strife in, he'll steal a home. He'll steal a business. Strife is his main tool because strife, it is his ground. God's ground is holy ground. He can speak on it. He can bless on it. It's a ground of unity. It's a ground of love and forgiveness and mercy and no strife. Satan's ground, it's a land filled with division, fighting, arguing. You get over on that ground, I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time before you wind up with something stolen. Most notably, you know what he steals mostly? Time. He steals time. You know why he loves stealing time? You can't get it back. Stealing a year. And Abraham came and said, nope, 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 nope. I don't care. I'd rather you have the best, if that's what it takes, for us to have no strife. You know what happened after that? Abraham's looking forward in life, walking together in unity. Lot and his whole family's looking back. I'm telling you, some of you, you have a choice when you go into 2020, whether or not you're going to look forward or whether you're going to look back. You can be an Abraham looking forward and seeing the blessing of God, or you can be a lot looking back, seeing your life stay in the exact same place it is right now, but you can't be both. I said you can't be both. No strife. Why don't you sit and say no strife? No strife. None. Amen. Unity is one mind. We both know what we want. We all know what we want. One mind, one heart, no strife. I don't care what it takes. I'm getting in a place where there is no strife. And lastly, one voice, one voice, one voice. All of us saying the same thing. 
All of us saying the same thing. When they lifted up their voice, it's amazing we lift up everything but our voice. And when we do lift up our voice, we talk about the giant instead of talking to the giant. We talk about the mountain instead of talking to the mountain. They lifted up their voice. We lift up our our wisdom. We lift up our associations. We lift up who we know. We lift up what they know. Here, you know what they did? They lifted up their voice. They lifted up their voice and they all prayed in the same direction. They all spoke in the same direction. And when they had one heart, one voice, one mind, the whole building shook and we get the book of Acts. Let me close with this. Go over to Genesis. I'll close with this. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And let's look here in verse number 3. I saw this when I was writing this message. I've never seen this before. Genesis chapter 1. And I always love this, and I think it's important, especially as we start a year, because I want to see God do some things this year, right? Amen. This next decade, I want to see God do some things. And in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 through 4, I want you to see this. If you've attended church here, you probably already have, because we preach on it a lot. But I saw something I'd never seen before. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, notice uh, the connection between verse 3 and verse 4. God said, in verse 3, and God saw what he said in verse 4. God said in verse 3, and then God saw what he said in verse 4. All throughout Genesis chapter 1, you see God manifest himself as a speaking spirit. He's constantly speaking, knowing that what he's speaking, he is creating. Knowing that what he is speaking, he is creating. God said and God saw. Now, this is what's interesting. When God didn't like what he saw, He changed what he said. When God did not care for what he saw, he changed what he said, knowing that what he said could change what he saw. You know what we do? Instead of saying what we want to see, we say what we see. Well, I just call it the way it is. Stop. I just call it like I see it, Pastor Joel. Quit. The same God who quickens the dead calls those things that be not as though they were. Let the weak say, I just can't believe how weak I am. No, let the weak say, I am strong. Here, God, when he wanted to change What he saw, he changed what he said. What have you been saying? I guarantee you whatever you've been saying, you've been seeing. I guarantee you whatever you have been saying, you have been seeing. And here God knew, if I want to change what I'm seeing, I've got to change what I'm saying. This is interesting. God does something in verse 24, or in verse 26, And God said, let us, notice us, 
Make man in our own image, after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now, notice, let us make man out of our own image, after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and over the sea. God made you like him. You're not just made any old way. You're made after the pattern of God. He made you in his image and in his likeness. What does that mean? He made you a speaking spirit. And if you don't like what you see, you should change what you say because you are made in the image and likeness of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you see the world a mess. We don't know what all happened. We don't know what happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-3. We don't know. But we do know whatever it was, it was a mess. But even over the mess, the Holy Spirit was hovering over that. And as the Holy Spirit was hovering over that, God began to speak. And as God began to speak, the Holy Spirit began to create whatever was said. How many of you know in the book of Mark it says the same thing? The Lord working with them, the Lord working with them, confirming the word which, which, which they spoke. Now, in all of our lives, we've got to understand the power of our, our words. But here's something I never saw. Let us. Let us. Let us. He didn't say let me. Remember the disciples, they came to, to Jesus and like, teach us how to pray. What's the first thing he said? Our Father. He said, first, here's, I'm going to teach you how to pray. First, find somebody to pray with. You need another. Our Father. He didn't say, here, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Get down, my Father. My Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. He's like, first, you want me to teach you how to pray? Get another. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. When God is speaking here, he's not working alone. Let us, 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 let us make man in our own image and likeness. You see, the triune being of God, the trinity of God, working together to create a new world. I love that. God working together, speaking together to create a new world. And I just felt real strong in my heart. Some of you, you need a new world. I mean, you need a new world. Maybe right now, your world is about where Genesis 1-1 was. A mess. It's like, Pastor Joel, it's dark. It's a mess. It's heavy. I need a new world. I'll tell you how to get one. Let us work together. Speaking together. Dreaming. Dreaming together no strife we're together we're in this together that if you get together if you get together with one heart one voice one mind I'm telling you you can see some things shake I say it all the time, people think I'm joking. This church began, I'm not joking though. This church began to grow when I got married. I mean really take off when I got married. And you know why? I shifted from my father to our father. That's the truth. One can put a thousand of flight, two can put 10,000. When we got married, I made a decision when we were dating, when me and my wife were dating, that every night we'd end our talk, because I lived in Jackson, she lived in Birmingham. We'd end our conversation after like four hours, man. We'd burn up the lines. That's why we got married in three months. 
like, T-Mobile's too expensive. It's cheaper than the wedding. It'd be cheaper to just go get married anyway. So I made a decision, though, that every night we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Brother Hagen made a statement. He said, since I learned how to pray, I've never had a prayer go unanswered. Since I learned how to pray, I've never had a prayer go unanswered. You know what? I'd second that. And you know how I've learned to pray? Together. Me and my wife, we get together. We decide what's important for us. and We get on the same page about it. And every night, we pray over our marriage, pray over our home, we pray over our kids. And we pray over what we want to see God do in this church and in our family. And you know what? Over the course of 14 years, I've never seen one of those prayers go unanswered yet. That's the truth. For there, God says, there. I command a blessing. There. Are you there? Are you there? Are you there in a place of unity? You get there. You get there. You'll see a blessing. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's here. Bless them, Father. Let them get there. Let them get into a place of unity, a place of oneness, a place of being and staying together, Father. In Jesus' name. Father, I think you know division can come and dwell among us. We will not be lots looking back at the past. We will be Abrahams looking forward. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for these families, for these people. I thank you, Father, that you link up everyone who needs to be linked up. You reunite everyone who needs to be reunited. You strategically place everyone who needs to be placed. And Father, you get people together. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're here today. I know it's the early service. But maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Joel, I need to make a decision for Jesus. I don't know who you are and I don't know all your mistakes, backgrounds and sins, but here's what I do know. All of us have all those things past, background, and sins. We've all got them. The difference is, is that some of us have taken them to the Father. And some of us, just for whatever reason, we haven't. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. I want to change. I want to come to Jesus. Right now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. The only thing stopping you is not your mistakes or your sin. You know what it is? It's your stubbornness <laughs> to hold on to it all by yourself. But if you'll come to Jesus, oh, if you'll just come to Jesus, you know what you'll find? Mercy and grace. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, that's me. I want to come to Jesus today. No one's looking. But if that's you, would you do something for me right now? Would you just lift up your hand all over this place? 
Hands going up all over the room. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Amen. Say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your unlimited mercy and your amazing grace. I thank you, Father. All of my sins are forgiven. They've been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. You've forgotten them. You've moved on. So I move on too. I thank you, Father. No weapon, no sin that's been formed against me can prosper in my life any longer. I thank you, Lord. From here on out, I'm moving forward, looking ahead, not looking back. Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. You're making all things new, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.